Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Go, 
Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. What a good God. What a great God we serve. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I hear like a, an echo. Thank you, Lord. Let me see. I don't know if it's the bird causing it, but I heard like an echo. Thank you, Lord. I hope people don't hear the same at home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. What a good God. What a great God. Thank you, Lord, for his love, his mercy that endure forever. We are so grateful for the love of the Lord who, who loves us so much. Amen. Who really, hallelujah, care for us so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yeshua, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, thank you, God, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord, we are so grateful, we are so blessed for the opportunity to share God's word, that is a good, hallelujah, big blessing to all of us, and we have to see it for what it is, and we have to thank the Lord for the opportunity, amen of being here to share his word. Hallelujah. We pray, Lord, that you will help our brothers and sisters to log in tonight, Lord. 
We bind, we rebuke the strongman or hindering spirit from north to south, to west. Send billions and trillions of our angels, archangels, oh Lord. Help your people, Lord Jesus, to log in tonight. In Jesus' name, Yeshua name. Jahashua name, oh Lord. Oh Lord, oh Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Yeshua. Help us to log in, Lord. Help us to bring your word, Lord Jesus, to your people, where they will be blessed, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. We thank you. We thank you, mighty Lord. We thank you, mighty Jesus, for your love, for your mercy that endure forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Help our brothers and sisters to log in, Lord. Hallelujah. To say a safari, Lord. Let it be safari. Chrome, Lord Jesus, browser. Marcella, oh Lord. Any browser that they may use, Lord, help them to log in tonight. In Jesus' name, Lord, give us favor before God and before men. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your love and mercy. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Yeshua. I'm here with my brother, Tony. My brother and sister, amen. Thank you, the Lord's servant. Thank you, Brother Ali. Hallelujah. And thank you, Sister Regina. Amen. Those listening on the cell phone. Amen. I know as we go um, as we go on, more people will log in tonight and will listen. Amen. And we are grateful. Brother Tony, want to say hello to the people? Yeah. Hello. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank yeah. you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I wanted to go into the Bible, so this is always important. Before I share any revelation tonight, amen, I want to make sure uh, we go into the Bible, the Word of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Go into the Word of God. It's very important. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Before we begin... Before we, hallelujah, share anything, it is important that we go into the Word, thank you, Jesus, and we share what the Word of God says, hallelujah, that everything that we must speak or say, it has to be by the Word. It's important that it's by the Word of God, that everything is spoken for God's glory. God will get the glory for sure, so we must understand that it has to be by the word. Amen. Thank you, Yeshua. Um wanted to le- uh, read uh, Luke 23, Brother Tony. I'll have you read that. And, and I believe that we are in the month uh, of, hallelujah, of December. And in this month, we want to remember what Jesus did. You have it in your uh, Luke 23? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, if you have the King James there, go ahead and okay. read it from the King James. The whole, it will be the whole chapter. We're going to focus on verse uh, 34, and which that's where we get the title for tonight about uh, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they not know what they do. And they departed his, his raiment and cussed the Lord. So go ahead, Brother Tony, and begin to read Luke 23. Thank you, Lord. Okay, uh, verse beginning on first or 34, you said? Uh, first, the first. Oh, the first one. 23 first. Okay. It says, uh, 
Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man perverting the nation and forbidding to pay the tribute to Caesar, saying that he is Christ the king. And Pilate, uh, and Pilate asked him, saying, Are thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest. Then said Pilate to the high priest um, and to the people, I find no fault in this man. But they, uh, they were the more fierce, saying, He moveth the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning at Galilee, and even unto this place. Now when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the men were a Galilean. And when he knew that he was of Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, which was also at Jerusalem in those days. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and trusted to have seen some sign done by him. Then questioned he with him of many things, but he answered him nothing. The high priest also and scribes stood forth and accused him uh, vehemently. And Herod, with his men of war, despised him, and mocked him, and arrayed him in white, and sent him against a Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod uh, were made friends together, for before they were enemies one to another. Then Pilate called together the high priest and the rulers of the people, and said, un and, uh, and said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me, as one that perverted the people. And behold, I have examined him before you, and have found no fault in this man of those things uh, whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent him to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done of him. I will therefore chastise him and let him loose. For of no necessity he must have let of for of no necessity he must have let one loose unto them at the feast. Then all the multitude cried at once, saying, Away with him and deliver him unto Barab deliver unto us Barabbas which for a certain uh, insurrection made in the city and murder was cast in prison. Then Pilate spake again to them, willing to let uh, Jesus loose. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, uh, But what evil hath he done? I found no cause of death in him. I will, del I will therefore chastise him and let him loose. But they were instant with loud voices and required that he might be crucified, and the voices of them of the high priest prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required, and he let loose unto them him that for insurrection and murder was cast into prison whom they desired, and delivered Jesus to do with him what they would. And as, uh, as they led him away, they caught one Simon of Cyrene coming out of the field, and, and on him they laid the cross to bear it after Jesus. And uh, there followed him a great multitude of people and of women which were bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turned back unto them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Uh, verse 29, For behold, the days will come when men shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the, and the paps uh, which never gave suck. 30, Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things to a green tree, what shall, what shall be done to the dry? And there were two others which were evildoers, led, him, led with him to be slain. 
And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, uh, there they crucified him and the evildoers, uh, one at the right hand and the other at the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I know that people will will love for me to come on tonight and share with them how beautiful the New Jerusalem and how most all the homes in the New Jerusalem are made of gold. All the mansions are beautiful in and out. I know that people will like me to come on and share how the curtain inside of some of our mansions are embroidered with gold diamonds, just the curtain of our homes. And now how every single thing we have in our mansions are so beautifully put together, undescribable for us that love good appliance. Some of our mansion has appliance in it that they look to be so expensive that only the billionaire down here, maybe like Elon Musk, will probably have something close to it. And God gives it to us for free. I know that people will love me to come here and begin to describe the appliance, the window curtain, the curtain between doors, how in heaven, uh, I went to this mansion, and it, I, I didn't see door in the inner part of the mansion, but a hot curtain were made of beautiful diamond stones that some of them, I don't remember seeing them on this earth. Well, maybe because they're too expensive. If, if one of the curtains will be put in value down here, we'll be into the hundreds of millions of dollars. So since I have not bought one of them lately, I can say, you know, I've been able to have one down here. But in heaven, we do. And my brother insisted, everything that God's given to you and I are uncomparable to everything we have down here. Just for serving him, just for committing your life to him, God is willing to give you everything. Make you and I part of his kingdom, his throne, his family. My brother and sister, just to describe row stream made of gold and describe how beautiful they are made, just to describe the material of the homes that is, is, is like anything we ever had. Because with the intelligence of God, they've been made. And the architect and constructor is God himself. Yeah. It's the Lord. So none of the things that are in heaven, it, it, to any of us, are almost impossible to describe them. Because God made them. And the Bible tells us very clear who will know the mind of God. You know, who can, who can know his thoughts? So... It is beyond what anyone can have or would have down here. I don't think it's possible for a, in a million or in a billion or in a trillion year for man, even a scientist gets increased from here to a million year 
Can they even come close to what God has in heaven? And God freely is willing to give it to us, his children, his beloved ones, his chosen one, his elect one, my brother and sister. But how much are you and I willing to give for him? How much are you and I are willing to suffer, to give up? For him, will you be willing to give up your cars, your house, your family, and even your life? Is God worth it for us to give up everything for him? And the answer is yes, he is. But how much or how many of us are willing to give up everything for him? Because he wants us to be willing to give our family, including my brothers and sisters. But the, the, the question is, hallelujah, how many are willing? How many of us are willing? God wants us to be willing because God is willing. Jesus was willing to go to the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He was willing to die for each and one of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus prayed in Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying to the Father, saying, Father, if thou will be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy, thine be done. It's what you are willing to give that is important. Are you willing to give up anything for the Lord, including your life? Father was willing to give up his son. And I know that people always preach that Jesus was willing to give up his life. What about Father willing to give up his son? Have you ever considered that? Thank you, Lord. Similar to... uh well, what Abraham did was a representation, right, of what would happen. Amen. That, yeah. Repre- representing what the father did, you know. Yes, because God asked Abraham to give up his beloved son, mm-hmm. Isaac. Yeah. And, and in this manner of, of God asking Abraham to give up Isaac, Isaac is, is Abraham... Beloved son, but it's because it's Abraham, it's God's promise to Abraham. Yeah. And it's, it's from the woman he loved, Sarah. Mm-hmm. To having a son with Sarah, to Abraham, people say, it means the world. Yeah. It means a lot. Yeah. So when God asked Abraham to give up Isaac, the one he loved, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sister. To, to Abraham, that meant a law. That meant the world. That meant everything. Yeah. And so that very moment, Abraham did not even stop to consider what God was asking him. Mm-hmm. Because when you hesitate, when we hesitate, we can backslide. Don't you agree? 
Yeah, yeah. It got to ask you to do something. Yeah. And you hesitate. Mm. I heard that delayed obedience is disobedient. And I kind of get to that really, I can really see that in my spirit. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Because it's like you saying to God, wait a minute. Mm. And Abraham did not say to God, wait a minute. God did not say, wait a minute about his son. Wait just a minute. I'm going to give my holy beloved son for sinner. God did not have this attitude. He was willing. Yeah. He was willing. And so when Jesus prayed, Father, if thou art willing to pass this cup to me, Stop in the word willing, because everything that we give by for the Lord, you have to be willing to give it up. Mm-hmm. So everything that God's given up for us, yeah. he has been willing. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that we learn to be willing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. I'm looking for a verse. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because willing, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. It's a sacrifice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And there's a verse that we need to be willing to give up. Our family, your wife, husband, and all that. That's, I was looking for that willing. So how's in this Bible? I'm not finding it. But I know it's there. Thank you, Lord. See if you can find it, Brother Tony. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. We need to be willing. We need to be willing. Praise your God. And then when you are willing, you will do what God is asking us to do. If you're not willing, you won't do it. But if you're willing, you will do it. Hallelujah. And this is why... To nine titles, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know what they do, and part of his raiment and cause of blood. Amen. He prayed because he knows that in Father's love, Father's willing. So when he prayed that God will forgive them, my brother insisted, hallelujah. I was in heaven a few days ago, and Jesus was there. And I had a question for him. And I said, Lord, I have a question for you. And he said, yes. And I said, Lord, there are many people coming against me down there. How do I deal with this? And the Lord says, forgive them. That's how you're going to deal with it. The better better way to deal with it. Forgive them. For me not to hold anything against them. Forgive them, he says, to me. So, you know, forgive them, forgiven. Hallelujah. It's so important, my brother insisted. And, and if we don't practice it, hallelujah. If we don't practice forgiveness, we're not going to understand, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's very important that we forgive, but practice it. Hallelujah. Practice forgiving them, my brother and sister. 
And when we do that, we won't carry a burden for that for that person. Hallelujah. Because God has forgiven us in Christ. My brothers and sisters. It's like when, when Jesus said about forgiving the, the debtor. Forgive our death, he says, as we forgive our debtor. Lead us not into the temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. But notice that if you don't forgive, how can you deal with evil? Notice how forgiveness comes before you can say, let me go rebuke that demon. Yeah. Because a lot of people are willing to cast out demons, but they're not willing to forgive people. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness has to be practiced before you go out and cast out that demon. Thank you, Lord, because the devil can accuse you of unforgiveness to other people. So it's important we understand forgiveness and the Lord. Hallelujah. Then uh, 614, if ye forgive men that trespasses, for if you, that sounds to me like willingness to. Yeah, yeah, it is. Willingness to. And so when you are willing to forgive other people, and you do it, what happened? What did Jesus say happens after? Your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Your Heavenly Father goes into action on your behalf mm-hmm. and forgive you. But if if you say, but they were the one who did wrong to me. Sister Wendy was, I guess she got disconnected. Why do I need to forgive them? Because you want to be forgiven by your Heavenly Father when you pray. Yeah. When you repent, when you seek God's forgiveness, you want to be able to receive it. And so if you don't practice forgiveness, how do you expect God to practice forgiveness with you? You know, we expect God just to do it. Because <laughs> usually that's how we think. Well, if I repent, he has to forgive me. Some people say he has to. He don't have to. Because he didn't have to forgive so. He told Samuel, how long are you going to pray for him? Mm. I have rejected him. Yeah. He don't have to. He, but he's willing to. Yeah, he, he wants to. So the Lord word of wisdom to us is forgive. Yeah. Be willing. Because your heavenly father will also be willing. Yeah. You want to have God on your side, right? Yeah. Yeah, always. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Because if he is for us, the Bible says, who can come against us, right? Yeah, that's right. So he says, Jesus, and Jesus said in verse 15, But if ye forget not men that trespasses, mm. neither, this is the part that I don't want to hear it, brother, but don't say it. Don't mm. say it, I don't want to hear it. But if you forget not men that trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Can you, start, can you imagine someone repenting every day? Expecting God to already forgive them. But they don't forgive people when, when people uh, mistakenly hurt them. Or, or you know, you, you caught them in your car in front of them. Yeah. And they're so mad. Oh, this guy, if I can have him in front of me, I'll punch him. Yeah, and you go around unforgiving people. 
Because that's what it is in your heart. It's an unforgiven feeling, action, behavior, pain, sickness, you know? And so if you forgive men that trespass, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forget non-men that trespasses, okay, what is the reaction you get? What do you get back? Um, Read it, Brother Tony. What do you get back? Yeah, but if you forgive uh, not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That cannot be biblical. Where do you get your teaching? That cannot be biblical. What are you talking about? God is love, they say. What do you mean that God's not going to forgive me? That's not God. God is love, they argue. I don't know what church you're going to, but that made no sense to me. You got to read your Bible again, they say. Yeah, no. <laughs> read your Bible again. Change your religion because you must be in one, in one of those places, they say. But again, but if you forgive not men that trespasses, if you forgive men that trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven your trespasses. Yeah. My brothers and sisters, I don't know what religion you're in, but that's, that doesn't sound to me like God. He <laughs> say, yeah. God is loving, God is forgiving, and they can go on and on for hours about God. But if you read them this verse, they totally disagree with you. Yeah. But it is it in the Bible. It, did Jesus say these things? Did Jesus explain this as a, as a rabbi? Yeah. Yes, he did. He did say these things. And it's for us to, hallelujah, think about it. So he was talking to the Pharisee, verse 16. Because, hallelujah, how many of us have been a Pharisee at one time? Some people may say, I, don't, I, I, can, I, can, I think I can hear people say, not me, not me, brother. Yeah. <laughs> at one time or two, we've been a Pharisee. Yeah. Okay? Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrite of a subcontinent, for they disfigure their face that they may appear unto men to fast, but verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And how many of us are in a, a hypocrite sometimes? So this is why we need to practice repenting and forgiveness. So I asked Jesus, for those that are logging in, a few days ago in heaven, Lord, there are many coming against me. How do I deal with this? And Jesus, standing there in front of me with his wedding garment, said to me that to forgive them. Forgive them. They come against you, you forgive them. Hallelujah. And when he was saying it to me, it was also so you won't carry a burden for them. Because we do carry a burden. When when you have unforgiveness and you heart is a burden. There's something there that... How do you feel when you have unforgiveness, Brother Tony? Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it is, it is like a burden, yeah. Or it is a burden, you know, because uh, it's... 
you know, it's just not a good, it's not good. I don't know how to, how you, you would describe it other than a burden, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's something that won't let you, won't, won't give you peace. Like it takes your peace away, you know, you, Thank won't, you, you don't have the peace and, um, you don't feel the Lord. You don't feel God, you know, like you yeah, should yeah. be. Cause, uh, and once, once you get rid of that, it's, you, you know, you start to feel the Lord, his, his peace, his presence. But when you have, when you carry that in you, you know, that, that, uh, we call it grudge, right? Like a grudge in you? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it really is, it, it's, you know, it's blocking you. It, it's a sin that, you know, it's, it's like a wall between you and God, you know, and you wonder why you're, you, we wonder why, you know, Lord, what am I doing wrong? But, but it's that right there, you know, it's. It's it's like a wall between you and God, and and it clearly says, you know, you have to forgive first. You know, we have to forgive even if they hurt us. We, we still have to forgive, you know, because that's the, that's how Jesus explained it. You know, um, uh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, there's many some. Uh, yeah, that that really touched me because you know we all go through moments in our lives where we get offended. You know, we yes. something that they said to us or did to us, or and. Uh, you know, it hurts us, but, um, you know, the Lord has brought us through. But they say unforgiveness is, is, there's a lot of people, I've heard many testimonies of people that have gone, you know, to hell because they have uh, gone to hell because of unforgiveness. You know, they say that's very big and heavenly, like that's mm -hmm. one of the, you know. Sister said unforgiving gives me anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does give anxiety, yeah. Yeah. People feel some people feel depressed. Yeah, they go into a uh, deep depression when they have unforgiveness. Yeah, so it manifests. But look at the examples. What I want you to see it in Luke twenty-three. Yeah, uh, Pilate, my brother and sister, when they bring Jesus, verse thirteen, and Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the ruler of the people said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one who perverts the people. Behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man concerning the things where you accuse him. Okay? And no, nor ye Herod, for I have sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. And the question to me is, why is he saying he's going to chastise him? Because here is, he had him whipped. Yeah. He had Jesus whipped. He just said he found no guilt in Jesus. Mm -hmm. He was not guilty. Right. And then he had him whipped. Like he had done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Because usually, under the law, especially back then, if you had committed, um, how do you say? Because I'm not going to say a crime. He had not committed no crime. No crime. So if he had committed, he had done something wrong, yeah. violated the law or something, mm -hmm. that's when they usually have the person whipped. But they're whipping the Lord. Still haven't done nothing wrong. And at this very moment, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, that sounds to me like he's, he's that's an abuse of power. 
What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, because he, you know, he himself confessed, you know, that he didn't find no fault, on, you know, on Jesus. And, and so then why have him whipped? That's an abuse of power, abuse of authority. So this very moment is when you say, boy, this man is so unjust. This this, this king, yeah. Pilate, is so abusive. And don't we deal with abusive people once in a while yeah. who have no care for God or his kingdom? And that is what this kind of man is, Pilate. And the Lord still stay quiet, still being whipped by this man who should have not even trust him at all, found no guilt in him. For if necessary, he must release one unto the, them at the feast. They, they, they all cry out at once, saying, Awake with this man, release unto us Barabbas, okay, who had been cast into a prison for a certain sedition, made in the city, and for murder, Pilate, therefore, desiring to release Jesus, spoke against them. But they cried, saying, crucify him, crucify him. You know, Pilate uh, admired Jesus. Remember we were reading about him, how he admired Jesus? Pilate was looking to meet him. Because Pilate had heard about the miracle that Jesus had done. Yeah. So he was looking forward to meeting him. So I can see him do a miracle, he says. But then Jesus comes to him, and Jesus doesn't do any miracle. The pirate could see. There was one miracle that Jesus did with Pilate, with him. And and you will not think what the miracle will be. He did with Pilate, right? And the miracle was that when, when he asked Jesus, let me see. There's a little bit back here. He said he found no, no. Thank you, Lord. No foreign in. When he questioned with many words, but he answered him nothing. Thank you, Lord. It was here. Oh, Herod, Herod. He says to Herod, I've been this. Oh, Herod is the one that they want to decide him. Mm-hmm. Okay, Herod one. Sorry, I confused. I'm missing the king because he went to three kings, no? Yeah, it went different one. Yeah. To different one. Yeah. So Herod, the pilot heard the Galilee. He asked whether this man was a Galilean. Thank you, Lord. He, he was afraid. He was Pilate asked him, saying, "Art thou the King of the Jews?" And he answered, and "Said thou hast." So he, it was it was him. It was Pilate. They said this is the second return to him, oh. but it was a Pilate. Pilate asked him, saying, "Art thou you, the King of the Jews?" And he answered him and said, Thou sayest, thou was the miracle. Because he said, out of the stone he will give worshiper. Yeah. And at this moment, one of the stone is pirate. Yeah. So at the same time, what I'm saying is, he ended up confessing that Jesus was the king. Not a lot of people that would call Jesus king. Yeah. You know? So that was a miracle uh, what, that was a, uh, people say that's a miracle in the sky. Mm. That's practically what he receiving. But if he will pay attention to the miracle, it will bless his life. Yeah. You see, God can do a miracle in the sky, as they say, that can bless your life. 
But you have to listen with the ear, to, and then the Lord will bless you for it. Thank you, Lord. But I wish this desire to meeting him, or, or Herod was had desire to meeting him. Amen. But Herod was with men of war, my, my brothers and sisters. My brother and sisters. Three days him were content and mocked him, arranged him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. So the robe that many people found that was in Jesus, Herod was the one that put it on him. Because yeah. they said it was, this is the robe that they, they, they cast a lot on the cross after he was crucified. Remember that? Oh, yeah. So because it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's because it came from the Roman. This was a Roman robe. My brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, thank you, Lord. Jesus is so special. Jesus is so great that even the word of, excuse me, calling him king is a blessing. Just knowing him is a blessing. Yeah. Blessed are they that are not offended in me, he says. Mm-hmm. Again, talking about pardon, forgiven. Blessed are they that are not offended in him. So how are you not offending in him? By turning around and forgiving people. Shalom. It's important that we do. Mm-hmm. Forgive people. It's very, it can be very hard, though. Mm-hmm. But we have to practice it. Practice it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And he said unto them the third time, Why why was evil had he had done? And found no cause for, for deading him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Okay, we should he should have not done. I believe now this is a Pilate. Pilate did the same like Harry now. Okay. And so this this my brother and sister. Uh, whether people uh, would love to beat you up with you, that desire will be on them, but it's evil. Mm. You know, the evil that he thought that the people had, he had. Notice how you can judge someone but be doing the same or worse. Because he was, he was telling the people, what evil had he has done? I found no evil in him. But then he goes and, 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 and have him whipped. Okay, so the, he was he was as wrong as they as they. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we're, we're in December. We're we're on the the Lord. Uh, we celebrate the Lord. Yeah. You know, this is this month practically the whole world has given it to the Lord, or recognize and know that this is the month of God. And so we have to go back to the cross and look what Jesus did for each and one of us. Mm-hmm. My brother and sister, and praise him for that. And thank him for that. My brother and sister, I heard the Lord say to someone, or I said someone said that the Lord, my sister said years ago that, Jesus said, you will celebrate Christmas with me in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, that was awesome. You know, that there's a celebration of Christmas in heaven. I, it's much greater in show than the one down here. Yeah. Amen. I was taken one time to the millennium. And it was what we call in the middle of the nine over there. But it was like a day here. And people were celebrating like in a Christmas. 
Yeah. But it was a big celebration. People were all over the street at the Millennium celebrating. And this, I know this isn't the future, the things to come. Yeah. But it was huge, huge celebration in the Millennium. And that thousand-year reign with Christ that we're going to be in. Well, not everyone, but most of us are going to be in. I tell you, when you see that celebration, that holy convocation of hundreds of millions of people coming together all night long, dancing, praising, glorifying him for what he has done for us, you are going to love it. Because that's how it is, my brother and sister. We're going to praise him. We're going to worship him. We're going to thank him for what he's done for us. Especially when, look, the church is going to be gone soon, any day now. People who are going into the great tribulation with all the suffering they're going to go through, when they are saved and they come into the new earth, they are going to be so grateful. Because right now, I feel that a lot of people don't appreciate what Jesus has done on the cross. I feel that a lot of people are not grateful right now as they should. But I know that once they go through a seven-year great tribulation, they will be grateful. Once the church is taken out of here into heaven and see everything God has made for us, we're going to be grateful when we experience God. And so when we come down to the, to the new earth, new heaven, my brother and sister, you are going to truly be grateful for everything. The church is going to be grateful because we're going to have a glorified body. We're going to move like angels. And then we, my brother and sister, we're going to enjoy everything God has for us. And those coming out of the great tribulation, because there's so much evil is going to be on the earth, are going to be very grateful that even they have stayed behind, they have not been able to die, and if they die, it's for Christ. They're going to be beheaded. But they're going to go into the millennium later on, my brother and sister, and they're going to really be thankful. Even though they've been beheaded, they're going to be thankful because they're going to appreciate what the Lord has done for them. They're going to understand that the sacrifice on the cross have made it possible for them to be in, taken out of the great tribulation. You know, come into their body that God will have for them and really enjoy a new life. That's, it's going to be amazing. My brother and sister, I've seen it several times. I have no word to describe it because it's so beautiful. Jesus is on the new earth. His throne with his seraphim, his sheriff there, archangels there, serving him, surrounding Jerusalem. His glory covered Jerusalem. His win will be all over Jerusalem. My brother and sister, it's going to be awesome. And God will have a feast for us. My brother and sister, I know a lot of people say that in the New Earth, I believe I heard someone say, there's going to be several feasts celebrating, several celebrations. You know, according to the Jewish calendar, and the Jewish people have so many feasts. Well, we're going to have them again in the millennium, in the New Earth, and we're going to celebrate them fully. And it's all be for God. It's all going to be for Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that way, that they were instant with a loud voice, requiring that they 
that he might be crucified. And the voice of them and the chief priests prevailed. You know, this is what the people wanted. And this is why people in the last day don't understand why there's so many billions going into the seven-year Great Tribulation. Because, but they were instant. The word instant is right away. They right away were with loud voices. Okay? And their loud voices was not for righteousness. It was not for righteousness. The world today, loud voice, is not for righteousness. It's not for the things of God that they want. But it's for what they want. And that is so sinful before God. It's so evil what the, how the world where where instant and loud boys right now are saying. Because they crucify him back then. They have the same attitude right now. The world has the same attitude right now against Christ and his elected one, his church. Okay? And what they require? Requiring. Requiring. That he might be crucified. You know what that means? That he may be taken out of the way. Yeah. What's going to be taken out of the way soon? That the world don't feel important. That the Bible says. That he that will hold this people may be taken out of the way. Who? The Lord. Because Paul says for the for the Lord is the Spirit. For the, the Spirit is the Lord. Yeah. He that will hold it. What if he were holding the evil? Might be taken out of the way, holding back the Antichrist, holding back all the evil. My brothers and sisters, instead of keeping him that is we're holding all the evil back, they are embracing him and glorifying him. What if the people with a loud voice, with one voice, require? Yeah. My brothers and sisters, this is another repetition of what's happening now already happened. There's nothing new under the sun. That's why when we read the Bible, the Lord give me wisdom and understanding. Reveal your word to me. So you can see that what the same desire that the multitude had in the time of Jesus, in example, in the time of Jeremiah, even back to the times of Noah and Lot, it's the same desire that has come to be right now. The whole United States, the whole world, are becoming together in one voice. They don't want the church. They don't want God's people anymore. They want them to be moved out of the way. They want them out of the way. And that's exactly what God is going to do. America has said to God that they don't want Jesus anymore. They don't want him anymore. And the Lord will remove himself from among them. But the outcome, if you move the light, the only light you have from among the darkness, you are going to fall on your face. Because you won't be able to see. You need the light. And Jesus is the light of the world. I don't understand why is the sun, the sun turning into darkness. Because Father revealed to me that the sun in our skies is a revelation of Jesus, a representation of Jesus. 
And what happened when the Lord removed himself from Amandas? The sun turned into darkness. The moon turns into blood. The second moon turning into blood is significant of the blood that's going to be shared on this earth. Because they said that the moon, even scientists have studied this, the moon is like a reflection of earth. When the moon changes, our sea changes. There's a, because I, when I was in, in, um, in communication, ham radio and all that, they teach you about high tide. And the high tide in the sea is tied to the moon. It's tied to the moon. They teach you all this. My brother insisted. The high tide, the sea tide, all that is tied to the moon. And so the moon turning into red is a significant of the blood being shed on the earth in those days. The evil that will be going on on the earth. And having the sun turn into black is the morning star that's going to be not giving people for free anymore what he was giving them for free for millions of years. There's a light. My brothers and sisters, oh, God have mercy. God have mercy. My brothers and sisters, requiring that he might be crucified, requiring that he, be, he will be removed. People require that Christ will be removed. Guess what? Today is the same spirit. They are requiring that he will be removed again. And that the voice of the the chief priest prevail. Right now, what is going to prevail on earth? The voice of the people wanting the Lord to remove himself from the earth. He's going to grant it. God is going to grant it. Because let me tell you, nothing can happen without God granting it. The reason that they were able to crucify Jesus is because God granted it this way. God gave them him into the hand to be crucified. Jesus laid his own life into the hand that they may crucify him. Because Jesus says very clearly, I have power to take my life and to lay it down. Thank you, Lord. And raise it back again. And that's what he was doing. My brother and sister, Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they, they require. And so what happened is that God will grant this. God is going to, God is about to grant that the Lord remove himself from the earth. Step aside, my son. Step aside. The sun will go darkness. The moon will go blood. The pet doors are open. And those demons begin to come out. My brother and sisters. And the evil that's going to be on this earth is unheard of. It's unknown. Yes, they were back in the times of Noah. But in the times of Noah, they were not so evil. Because they had not been locked up yet. 
And when the Lord took me down to hell to where these demons, these 200 demons are locked up in the times of Enoch, back then they were still beautiful. When I looked at them now, they were like cockroaches. Big cockroaches. Ugly, ugly, horrible, scary, evil, wicked things. Why? Because they've been with God for so long. And hallelujah, God's presence is what gives us life, joy, and peace. It is God's presence that renews us and renews our strength. They don't have that anymore. They're not renewed. Haven't you noticed that, hallelujah, when you have not been in God's presence for long, and you come back and you repent and you bow yourself, and the Lord's presence comes over you, you feel renewed. You feel your strength coming back. David desire to be one day in the presence of God at a thousand out of it, he says. Mm -hmm. He renews you. He makes you new. He brings you joy and peace. Unheard of. Oh, I thank you. He renews our strength. The presence of the Lord is so awesome. It's so beautiful. It's so joyful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But the Lord is a gentleman. The Lord is a gentleman. And he's going to remove himself. Hallelujah. And he said, he released unto them the one who for sedition and murder has been cast into prison, who they desire, but he delivered Jesus to do their will. My brothers and sisters, Barabbas is Hamas today. Barabbas is Hamas today. We have thousands and millions of people around the United States and the world in favor of Hamas, marching in the street of our nations in favor of Hamas. But I saw a preacher in New York City who got arrested, a brother that I follow in life, for preaching the word of God. Jesus gets arrested today in New York City. And Barabbas, Hamas, gets to walk around celebrating, proclaiming his right. When he is just evil, who kill, steal, and destroy. My brothers and sisters, who rape women. Hamas rape women. Kill children. Kill family. And Jesus Christ brings love, peace, unity. And they want to arrest Jesus and release Hamas in the last days. My brother, Barabbas and Hamas is one of Hamas' first leaders back then. It's the same group, Hamas. My brother insisted. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came that they may have life and have it abundantly, they arrest him, and now they want to murder him. They want to kill him because they totally disagree with his peace agreement, his love and peace. 
have mercy. Because they don't want to have mercy. Why don't they agree with, with, with the mercy of God through Christ? Because the world thinks that there's too many people on the earth, and they don't want to have mercy to kill them. They want to kill everyone. They want to kill every believer. They want to kill every person who gets to eat on this earth because they believe their agenda is depopulation. And they believe there's too many billions of people, um, 8 billion people already. And they say, we've got to reduce this 8 billion people to 250,000. It's written in stone in the United States. It's written in stone in other religions. That, the, that people, there should be only 250,000 people on the earth. My brother and sister, a reading in stone in the United States from the old days. In stone. There are stay here who have written in stone in the United States that 200,000 plus is what the country should have. In stone by fallen angels, written. This been their agenda. When Obama was in office, he says in one of his speech that the country people should be part of the city when he has his plan for a depopulation. And the inside of the information, the more population is such a list that no one can practically find it. People heard about it, but where is it is the question. But that list is like gold letter, very valuable to the elite. And they begin to exercise it. And they're not pleased yet with what they have done. But they're going to fulfill it 100% in their agenda. The world needs to be depopulated, what they believe. There's too many people. And the first they want to start with is what the leader, their leader that they follow, Jesus our Lord. And how do we remove him is the question. How do we get him out of the way? We got to get everyone. We got to reinstate abortion. We got to give license to gay marriage, lesbian. We got to practice all the things that it pleases him in order to get him out of the way. Okay? Let's have people marry animals. Man marrying alligator. And dog, and, and, and women with dog, and donkey, and all that. Let, let, let's corrupt the earth that offended him so much that he will remove himself from amongst the people and leave the people unprotected. And once people are unprotected, then, my brother and sister, we can remove them. We'll create this or that that would happen that will wipe them out. My brother and sister, this is, not, this is nothing new. This is nothing new under the sun. The people that were following Jesus were great multitude, the Bible says. And the rabbi figured out that at this point, Jesus has so many multitudes, so many hundreds of thousands of people, that the left millions of Jews left in Jerusalem were all going to follow him. And every other place, Uriah, Samaria, everywhere Jesus went, was already getting 
more people than anybody else than the Romans and them. And the concern is, how do we remove all these people from joining and coming together and following? Let's crucify the leader. Let's remove the leader and kill the pastor and the chief will scatter. And they'll, be, they'll become none after that. So they became to put their plan together. And the moment came when they decided to arrest Jesus. And when they arrested him, they said, we got him now. We got him. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, he released unto them the one whose sedition and murder has been cast into a prison, whom they desire, but, hallelujah, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And after they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon of Saturnia, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he may bear after Jesus. Therefore follow him a great company of people, women who also be well, and lamented. These are still part of his followers. To the Jewish people, this is a concern because Jesus is too famous. He's too known. He has practically everyone follow him. And at this point, there's so many Christians on the earth right now, and so many that have not been vaccinated, that our leader are concerned. How do we get them vaccinated? How do we stop these people from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus? How do we remove the Bible? You two started from last year, the year before, Removing pages about the Bible and about Christianity. You know, there's been a flood of message coming back in into YouTube because there was a flood of YouTube AI removing all these Christian messenger message that they have for so many years that occupy Facebook, YouTube, Google, my brother and sister, so many. So, so many that are occupying these pages where people can go and listen to the Word of God. Well, they've been removing it quickly now, as soon as they can. Okay? And there will be a day coming. The U.N. is getting totally control of the, of the Internet. And very soon, very, very soon in days to come, you'll see this. I'm telling you before it happens, the Internet will be completely changed. And you won't be able to put anything about the Bible online. And you say, why didn't allow me anything to put anything about the Bible? The UN is taking control of the, of the Internet. And the UN agenda will be implemented. That's why they're giving the UN complete control of the banking system. The Antichrist is doing this. And this is why you've already seen, I talked about this about seven or eight years ago. The banking system has already begun to change. Before I begin to talk about this over eight years ago, how the banking system will be changed. Banks will be closing down. Credit union will be closing down. Why? Because a lot of them are not convenient for the Antichrist yet. In order for them to implement the CBDC, their own currency, they have to do this. Now they're talking now, I heard it this week, about their own currency. 
They got a new currency that they had, the Antichrist had put together. And the United States, they feel here they're not ready for the new currency. They got to get everyone into the digital system in order to bring the new currency. And I thought we the bride of Christ years ago, we were not going to see the new currency. I thought, because I heard it from the church for many years. Oh, the church is not going to see that, some people say. Well, they're about to announce it in the days to come. And I'm go- if I'm still here, I'm going to come here in the Lord's hour and tell you the name of the new currency and where it had begun to flow. Because they're only days away from revealing the name, the look, the details, and all the information of the new currency. They already have servers, computer, supercomputer, working behind the scene to develop the new currency that they're planning to share in Canada, United States, and Mexico, and the NATO countries. This currency um, it's not going to be worldwide, as a lot of people think, my brother and sister. A lot of people thought it would be crypto, 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 but crypto, they don't feel it's safe because crypto came out of China. And they're not too happy with that. Yes, the Antichrist was about the crypto technology, but there's new money that some people call it Amarel years ago. I think it was Amarel, the name of it. There's still to be seeing if that is what's going to be. Uh, since uh, Canada is a strong partner of the United States, they some people uh, believe, think that it will have between the, the, the Canadian and the American name in it because they want to bring, it's what they call, I believe, an international currency. And But it's going to take the dollar out of the way. I mean... Digital, digital currency, CBDC, is already removing the, the, the dollar. They know that with the dollar in God we trust, it cannot happen. Okay? Now, I heard something about the dollar that I didn't know. That when the dollar was created back then, when they put in God we trust, there was something, I, someone may say an anointing or something that was put in the dollar that the Antichrist don't want to use it. Although they are later, they are compromising. The dollar, when the dollar, when the dollar was put together, uh, they they pray over it, they lay hand. And you know what happened when they lay hand on something? The, the, the founder of this nation lay hand on the paper that they printed to be in the dollar together. Christians, men, with the Bible on their hand, lay, they lay hand on it, and they bless it, and they proclaim it to be the most powerful currency. And what happened with that is, God honored that. A lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't know this. A lot of people are hearing this for the first time. They, a lot of people don't understand this neither. But you need to understand something, that as a servant of God, if God gives you something and you lay hand and you pray over it and you bless it, the Antichrist cannot use it. 
The evil one cannot use that. And this been the problem with the elite, with the billionaire. There's been a problem. This, this is a problem to them. This is a stone. This is a stone for them. It's a blessing to them that God provides it to in abundance. But it's a problem for the wicked ones because they want to remove the stone. That's why the CBDC came from the Antichrist. Because his first step is, I need to remove the, 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 the literal papal currency. Because these people pray over it. And that blessing, unless it is removed by, by, by the agreement, like you remember when they agreed to rebuild the Tower of Abel? How did it became to be? The people came together, and they agreed. Okay? When Pilate said, what am I to do with Jesus? What happened with the multitude? The Bible says they agreed. They came. My brother and sister, hallelujah. The Bible says that, thank you, Lord, Pilate gave a sentence that it should be as they require. He gave a sentence that it should be as they require. Who require, Brother Tony? Yeah, it was, uh, it was the people, right? That was... The people. You see, why the dollar has been dominant still is because the people ought to be the one that have to say, okay, we agree that the dollar should be changed. Yeah. It has to come. So the nation... As they introduce the CBDC, the people have to say, all right, we're willing to give up our dollar for this digital currency. The people have to say so. The people have to agree because the daughter, anointed men of God, have laid hand upon it and prayed over it. So now the blessing that went to this nation and many other nations has to be removed from the people in order for them to fall under the order of the Antichrist. You see, Jesus has been the blessing to them for three and a half years, for 33 and a half years. How can he be removed? But you can understand what I'm trying to say tonight, because a lot of people are what are you talking about, Brother Elvie? You have to see it by the word of God. Jesus has been a blessing to them given by God for 33 and a half years. How can he be removed? How can this blessing that they, they, they look at as a stumbling block to them be removed from among them? Everyone, the multitude have to agree, the voters, the ones that elect the governors, the people who God sent them to, but receive him not, has to agree that they don't want him among them anymore. And God say, okay, you don't want my son anymore? I'll let, I'll let you remove him. This is what's happening today in the last day. Please, please open your ears. Because this is the way America and the world are rejecting the gospel, are rejecting Jesus in the last day. And everyone in the world is coming together in one agreement. 
that they don't want the Bible, they don't want the gospel, they don't want the Christian anymore. And now God, as he dead in the times of Jesus, you don't want him anymore, I will let you crucify him. You don't want my church anymore, I'll take it out of the way. I'll leave some behind, but you will have to kill them, behead them. You will have to do it. I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. Go ahead, behead them. Go ahead, kill them. Remove them out of your way. That's what you want? Okay. I'll give you permission. Go ahead. So the question of Pilate is, he released unto them the one whose sedition and murder has been cast into prison, who they desire, but he delivered Jesus to their will. So Varabas, Hamas was okay to be in office, but Jesus has to be removed. You know, if, if you would have told a Christian 30 years ago here in America, that one day you will have Hamas people marching in New York City as they're doing today, Practically, not practically, paralyzing the city. Where the mayors, governors, police officers, and all these people agree with them. If you would have thought, if we would have told anyone 30 years ago here in America, they would have disagreed with you and said, you are crazy. We will never agree with those terrorists. We will never let those terrorists walk in New York City with the flag proclaiming any rights, proclaiming anything. That will never happen in America. If you, tell, you know, when I started preaching this 15, 14 years ago, I know I was preaching before that, but during those times, people, people were telling me that these things will never happen in America. I'm sorry, Brother Elvis, but not in America. Some creature says to be back then. We will never allow that, Brother Elvis. I don't know where you get your teaching. I don't know where your teaching is coming from, Brother Elvis. But we will never allow that in America. People contacted me through email telling me this. We will never allow that in America. I don't know where you got your teaching. I don't know, Brother Ellie. But not in America. We are a Christian nation. We are a Christian nation. Some of those people the Lord already took home. If they were here as we are still watching them. There's still people behind that are watching them that cannot believe it. They look at it on television and says, I don't believe what I see. I don't believe what I see, they say. This is not our nation. How quickly things change within a few years. And how this nation is not the way it used to be anymore. The spirit of the Antichrist is all over this land. It's all over the world right now. All over the world. My land have fallen under it, too. And most every single land are falling under the spirit of the Antichrist. He is reigning practically all over the world. The men of sin is practically sitting in every single government. Every single government of the world right now are being manipulated by the men of sin. I heard, go- I heard government on, on, on television I think it was last week, a few days ago, talking how Obama had helped them to do this or that. My brother and sisters, and to become who they are today. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. My brother and sisters. He has helped them 
are not for good, just for evil. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So verse 27, they follow him, great company of people, women who also bewail and lament him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, we not for me, but we for yourself and for your children. Can you understand what the Lord is saying here? My brother insisted, because woe to the nation who rejects the Lord. Woe to the nation, woe, woe, woe to the nation that reject the Lord. My brother insisted, do not weep for him, but weep for yourself. Hallelujah. Weep for yourself. Cry to God for yourself and for your children. Nation of America, nation of the world that may listen to this program one day. Cry. Cry. Cry, Jesus said. But Jesus turning unto them and said, daughters of Jerusalem, daughters of the city, daughters of America, daughters of the world, weep not for me, but weep for yourself and for your children. Because as they have come for you, they're also coming for your children. There had never been a time in this nation and the world where so many children are being killed, stolen, and sacrificed to evil. Where one day a month, around a thousand children are disappearing in this nation. War for yourself. Repent of yourself. Seek God of yourself and pray for your children. Because as they come for you, they're also coming for your children. People of God, understand the time and the season that we're in. We're in one of the most dangerous times in all creation. Weep for yourself. Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. Because it, it is the Lord is going back to his kingdom, his throne. He is rejoicing at the right hand of the Father. What, what problem that he has? None. You will be the one left behind full of problems, full of headaches, dealing with wicked ones, fallen ones. Whip not for me, but whip for yourself and for your children. My Lord, my God. If people can realize the time and the season we're in, they cannot discern the time and the season that the Lord have pulled in his own power. My brother told me, what do you say? Yeah, it's uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, what the Lord said to them, you know, we uh, for your children, you know, um, that's, uh, you know, uh, to cry out to God, you know. It's uh, sometimes we tend to, you know, Forget about our own selves, you know, our own salvation, and and uh, like I said, weep for your children. You know, it, it's it's um, you know crying out to God. It, it's just calling to God, you know, because we tend to lose focus and and tend to um, you know that's an example of what the Lord gave them. It's we have to you know take care of our of our you know our salvation and and. Uh, and for our loved ones, 
you know, that's what I can understand it. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, but I can see why the Lord said that, you know, he said, uh, Jesus turning unto them, and daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah. Where the nation are today, brother. Yeah. They people don't understand that removing Messiah from among them. Yeah. The enemy takes advantage mm -hmm. of as people say for many years, when the Lord is removed, mm his -hmm. spirit is removed. What would happen when people stay behind? Confusion. Yeah. Pain, suffering. And it's about to happen again. For behold, the days are coming, and when they shall say, Blessed are the barren, the wound that never bore, or the breast which never gave suck. My Lord, my God, it was the Lord himself that said to Adam and Eve, Be fruitful. And multiply. Hallelujah. But who say, who say, bless are they that are barren, and the wound that bore, that never bore. Who say that? How can someone be so selfish? How can someone think this way, that 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 the Lord has blessed the wound of the mother, the woman he blessed to bear children. But a generation that we're in today, the Lord says, For behold, the day are coming in which they, they shall say, Who are they? Who are they that will say that? Bless out the barren. Because God's people, hallelujah, oh, kid that will kill the parents, my Lord, my God, my brother and sister, with so much blood being shed in the last days, and so much is about to be shed, the people will say, hallelujah, People will say, blessed are the barren. How can the barren be blessed, Brother Tony? Thank you, Lord. I, I feel like speaking in tongue here. Yeah. I feel my spirit. Thank you, Lord. God is speaking to us. Yeah, the barren, uh, um, the one that's never, you know, given birth, right? The barren. Uh, yeah, because... Uh, because of the evil, I mean, because of, uh, uh, it has to do because, uh, because of the evil that's going on, right? The, you know, um, some of the children, you know, whenever, you know, they grow up and, I don't know, it just has to do with, it has to do just, just the ungodliness, you know, going on and, and, uh, you know, all that, like abortion, yeah, you know, exactly. 
you know, that's that's all. How can abortion be a blessing, but Tony? No, that's uh, that's that's an abomination to God. You know, that's that's the worst. You know, that's the worst that's that can happen. You know, um, before Father, that's just horrible. You know, that's an abomination. It's it's more than a sin. You know, that's an abomination before God and. Parents afraid of their own kids. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. My Lord, my God, these are really difficult days. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of evil going on, and too much evil, you know, and, and that's why Father, you know, he's he's angry with this earth, you know, with what's going on. You know, he, of course he created the earth, it's just that what's going on in the earth is what's evil, you know, man has polluted the earth, and, you know, and God, Father's just angry, you know, we know the Lord is merciful, Jesus, but Father is, is he, he about had it, you know. He he said it's over, anyways. You know, I, you know, I can feel how, you know, like the what's coming from Father, you know. And I think we all do. You know, it's the injustice, the evil that's going on this earth is it's outrageous. You know, it's too much. It's way too much. He he wants, you know. That's why we bringing this revival. You know, of course he's gonna bring destruction. You know, um, judgment. But at the same time, his his mercy. You know. You know, shows up and he brings revival. You know, um, but he he's bring, he's bringing that awakening. You know, but yeah, Father's not happy with what's going on down here. It's 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 too much evil. You know, it's um, yeah, he's he's he, he's he's good though. I mean, he's at the same time he's bringing revival and he's been putting this on me very very happy lately. You know, today, yesterday, and and days before it's. He's he's um the way he feels the way he feels is is but at the same time I I know he's been ministering to me about the revival and that's been bringing me a lot of hope because he's you know he's bringing this revival for a lot of people are gonna be saved minister to people that you know that need it you know and this, he says this is the a move that he has never brought before you know we've seen many revivals throughout history but he says he's he's gonna he's gonna do what he has been uh, speaking through a lot of his prophets, you know, uh, and it's this this last move before that before the planet gets destroyed, which is the seven year great tribulation, you know, and this is the like the last warning if you want to say it, the last one, and um, you know he says he's gonna use us, and uh, but he he does want to get us out of here though, you know. Yes. He does want to get us out of here, but this is this is one move that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a glorious move for us for us the bride it's gonna be it it's gonna be glorious you know for us because we're gonna move in his power he's going to empower us like he's never empowered anyone before you know on this earth and uh, but that's for one purpose though and that is for just to to um you know to bring the people back to him and but yeah it's um he, he's bringing us back and and that he's the way I, I discern it in me, it's it's days. You know, I see it so close. You know, we don't know the day and the hour. You know, he, he don't. Sometimes he don't tell. He don't tell us. You know exactly the date, but he tells us soon and his timing. You know. But um, but yeah, yeah. That there's a lot of evil going on, and yeah, he's not Thank very. You. Thank you, God. Thank yeah. you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. He's awesome, God. Yeah. My Lord, my God. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, 
Bless are the barons. How can you bless a curse? How can you bless a curse? Because barren women will consider cursed women. Yeah. They will consider cursed. But this generation says, if you cannot have children, you are blessed. Mm -hmm. Now which the Lord blessed to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. This generation cursed the blessing and called the curse a blessing. My Lord, my God. They say blessed are the barons and the wounds that never bore breasts which never gave stock. Yeah. They are blessing the curse. My brother insisted, that's the hallelujah, the spirit of evil in the last days, the antichrist spirit, hallelujah, and that's a good one, God closes wound also, Yeah, that is so true, hallelujah, then shall they begin to say to the mountain, fall upon us. And to the hell, cover us. God knew that they would want to have bunkers in the last days, like never before. They want to cover themselves with the mountain. They wanted to hide themselves where they cannot be seen, where they practice evil in the hidden place, under the mountain. But they shall say, why are they openly say to the mountain, fall on us? My brother and sister, can it be God is saying that our leaders are looking to direct meteor to our earth? Because a lot of people who study meteors consider the mountains coming to the earth. Stones of mountain coming to this earth. To hit our planet. Yeah. So they they will also say, when they shall say, hallelujah, they, to, to the mountain, fall upon us. They also say this in the great tribulation with people in great suffering. They want the mountain to protect them. But right now, most of our government stuff is under the mountains. Bunkers, they call them. Bible insisted. So they're using the mountain as a protection instead of being the Lord of protection. Yeah. My brother and sister, fall upon us into the hill. Cover us. Because what is coming is so wicked and so evil to this earth in the days to come that they want people want protection from it. They want to be protected. My brother, they don't want to be anymore unprotected, as they say. My brother insisted. But also, they all say it because of the evil coming down to the earth, mountain coming down. Hallelujah. Fall upon us. I see this also in the great tribulation where people will seek death, but they will flee them. I saw people in the great tribulation that wanted to die. Literally wanted to die, but they cannot. Maybe they think that if a, if a 
stone, bake a, a mountain fall upon them, then they can die. And, and it is, hallelujah. No. No. They won't die. My brothers and sisters, they will not die. People cannot die for the whole seven years. By only one way, one minute to be beheaded. That's the only way they can die. But for the Lord to talk about the great tribulation here and the suffering that will come, that when people will say, bless are the, the barren, that means that people already in love with evil, with wickedness. They're in love with evil. They are in love with the fallen one. Because if they, it's like the generation that could evil good. Yeah. And good evil. This is this generation that you and I are in. This 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 generation calling evil good, calling fallen angel who destroyed the earth in the times of Noah good, calling fallen angel who destroyed the earth in the times of Lot. Sodom and Gomorrah was the most disgusting place you can ever eat on earth because of the fallen angel. And the only way that the earth can be cleansed was with fire. And when the angel came to Lot, they said to Lot, get out of here. Because until you're out of the way, that's the church. The church needs to be out of the way and go up. Okay? Fire came down and consumed Sodom and Gomorrah. Babylon insisted. I heard a video from a, a big church organization here from the U.S that went to Turkey, where they believe Sodom and Gomorrah was. And in that place, he found ashes below 10 feet on the ground. When the fire of God came down, it went below 10 feet. He dig through the ashes and dig and dig, and beyond 10 feet, there was still ashes. My brother and sister, he's going to consume everything. I don't know how deep that fire went down, but if it went below 10 feet, that's deep. Yeah. That is deep. Nothing else could have caused that but God and his anger. God and his anger, my brother and sister. They are provoking a living God. Hallelujah. That you say, they begin to say to the mountain, fall upon us. And that's a sign of meteor coming. Okay? And so the hill covered us. You hear on the History Channel now when you talk about meteor and all that coming, like it's nothing. Like, oh, meteors are in a galaxy. And one of these days they're going to be hitting the earth. We're just providing you the information. Like it's nothing. They will destroy city. They will destroy continent. They will raise the water of the sea like you cannot even imagine. Sister Celestial had a dream this week. One was about America, and, and the dream was about what is coming. I'm going to play it in a few minutes. I tell you, you got to listen to it. Because judgment is coming within days like people cannot imagine. She talked about the earthquake coming to California, and... She talked about the tsunami, race of the sea, which is a tsunami, which I know is coming to the eastern part of the United States. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. They're coming. Hallelujah. Uh, word, 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 I know that it will come, but I know that the earthquake will be first, judgment will be first, and then when the Lord had his church in the revival going now, word will be happening during that time. Much is coming, but we don't need to fear because God is in control. And no one will be able to harm the bride of Christ, which will be more powerful than anything on this earth. Yeah. That can flip a tank a hundred feet away or thousands of feet away. Yeah. Who can stop the bride of Christ? No, no. That would be impossible. Okay? I share the revelation Jesus gave me a few years ago. A few years ago. A few days ago. <laughs> I was in my glorified body. And this man had a spear. Sharp, sharp spear. Trying to put it through my sight. Poked me through my side with a spear, long, completely um, metal, shiny, beautiful metal. Okay, try to poke, poke, uh, poke through my side and say, "What kind of uh, armor you have? You know, what, what, what are you wearing, Elvi, brother Elvi?" Elvi says, "I said, what are you talking about? And I'm wearing what? Because I'm, I'm looking at." Him. Don't you know the Bible? You know, do you know what God promises? A glorified body? The Paul says on, on the last trumpet we will be changed, we'll be transformed. It, it's a promise of God. And this man is questioning me. And he knew me because he hurt me here on the Lord's Tower. So if he hurt me talking about this on the Lord's Tower, why are you asking me about my new body, glorified body? And he tried to poke it with this thing. And he tried very hard in 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 the in the, in the Steel could not penetrate my, my, my new body, my glorified body. Mm-hmm. Could not, cannot even scratch it, brother. He's trying and trying. What is this? What kind of material is that? He said. Yeah. And the Lord allowed, allowed me to see this and experience it. Mm-hmm. I was telling brother, telling, can you imagine my glorified body if I were to smack him? Oh, yeah. He would end up in another country. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. People have no idea what, what God is doing. Mm-hmm. But it's a promise of God, my brother and sister. Yeah. But, you know, we're not going to act evil. We're not going to be evil. You know, this is why we're going through testing and trial now. God is testing the, the living daylight out of us. Yeah. To make sure we, we, we pass the test. Yeah. You know, why, why did God test the living daylight out of Job? Out of David. I was watching David's movie last night. Even some tonight. How this man was put through so many... Hard, difficult thing. The day he married Saul's daughter, it's the, it's the same day in the morning, they had to flee from the king's house because the king went with his army to try to kill him. Yeah. He didn't even enjoy being married. He has to flee for his, for his life. Not, well, not to see his wife again for a really long time. He's running for his life. He got on his horse. He was out of there. Yeah. My brother and sister. David suffered. God put him through the fire. But what came out of... What, how did David came out on the end, Brother Tony? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was all worth it. You know, cause when it, uh, Dancing. 
singing songs. Yeah, when he turned uh, 30, right? But he says when he turned 30 years old, you know, is when uh, when he became uh, the king, and that's when he started. So that's when that came, you know, about the ark and he danced before the Lord and. And, uh, but it was, that'll happen all after all those suffering that he went through, you know. He went through, really, he went through fire, you know. But he, I'm sure he understood, you know, it was all for the Lord, it was all worth it, it was for his own good, you know, because the, his calling was a big calling, you know, King of Israel. And, and, uh, I wonder if God didn't want him married to, uh, Saul's daughter. What do you think? Why in the honeymoon, right there when he was supposed to be with his wife? He's running for his life through the window. Might have not been because you remember it was Saul, Saul, <laughs> and uh, I think we, we did a study about Saul before. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it could have been you know the Lord because uh, it was you know Saul that offered you know and said you know if it's you know anyone who kills Goliath I'll give him you know give him my daughter and but that was Saul. That never happened that way. It never really. You know I don't know if you brother just to consider this because brother Tony is bringing it to, and it's true. When it was offered to David that whoever killed Goliath will receive his daughter as a wife, right? Yeah. That never happened at that moment. At the moment, yeah. So then I was, I was telling Brother Tony, then it, it, when Saul sends him out the second time, he says, I'll give you my daughter. And God gives David the victory, and then he gets the daughter. I, I was thinking that... Um, that the reason why he got the daughter was because God said, God, I mean, I was thinking that God was thinking, well, I'm not going to let Saul to see David again. He has to receive the daughter. Okay. You know, my thing, because he already tricked him one time. He did the first time, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, for some reason, I don't know, I was thinking, because since you remember Laban, Deceived Jacob. Yeah. How many times? Three times. Three times. Yeah. Well, two times with the daughter, but then with the land and the animal, he kept doing the same. Uh, and then you would think, well, was that, was that the, you know, it's the enemy and all deceiving and all lying and all stealing. It's the enemy behind it. Yeah. So then you think that if it followed a generational line, it went all the way to David, you know. But David escaped Saul. Now, he said he was not going to raise his hand against the anointed. Did David have the right to kill Saul? He had the opportunity, you know, to do it. But, but he had the right. I think he understood because he said, uh, um, uh, he, he, the right. <laughs> God told them, right, it's in your hands, you know, to do whatever you want with him. Right? But I remember now that under the law, God said thou shalt not kill. Right. And if he would have killed, the people would have said, well, David needs to be killed now. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So that, that's right yeah. there. That's the way we need to see it. He yeah. followed the law to, yeah. the, to the letter. And so that was obedient to God. He was obedient to God because he understood the law yeah. that he should not kill. So he avoided to kill Saul, even though when the Lord, hallelujah, even though when the Lord has said no, 
like, oh, I put him in his hand. He still said no, is what I'm saying. Thank you, Lord. So this generation needs to be very careful, okay? But there come in the times of pain when people say, uh, then they shall say, uh, begin to say to the mountain fall upon us. What kind of condition do you see people here in the United States and around the world saying to the mountain fall upon us? That's uh, anguish, right? Pain. Sounds like it, eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Suffering. Yeah. They 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 got to be going through the worst. Yeah. You know? And that is coming. I don't know. That that's so close now. Verse thirty one. For if they do these things in a green tree in a green tree, what should it be done in a dry? Thank you, Lord. So if they're doing this to the Lord, in other words, what would they do to the backsliding? Because dry is backsliding, no? Yeah. Yeah. The lukewarm. Lukewarm, yeah. If they do this to the green, can I say the church, the green church? Yeah, it, it goes with that, yeah. If they do this to the believer, what would they do to the backsliding church? You know, in another word, that's, you cannot imagine what we have seen in our dream doing to Christian and the great tribulation. Torment. Torment. Yeah. It's horrible to the backsliding. Uh, and here's the thing with the backsliding. The Lord wants to save many backsliding now. They won't listen now. They won't listen. I mean, you can go to them and say, look, you need to repent. Jesus is coming. Oh, get away with me. I heard that since I was little. Hmm. And so they won't listen. They won't listen. Going into the great tribulation with that kind of behavior and thinking and believing, when they find themselves that the church is gone, the church has been raptured, and the revival is gone, and now they find themselves in the great tribulation watching all these fallen ones killing people, backslide, you know, killing, cutting people to pieces. Now they have no choice but to repent. But now the devil who had deceived them from before, because this is the work of Satan, it doesn't make it easier for them. It makes it very difficult, very, very painful. My brother and sister, verse 32. These were also two others, malfactor, malfactor, led with him to be put to death. Two, two others. Oh, the... uh... The ones that were at his left and his right mm-hmm. at the cross, right? Mm-hmm. That were to be put to death. And the Roman, we know that the Roman did this for thousands of years or many years ago, but they did it for, for a long time when they were yeah. in power, in office. But to look to crucify something who, who they found no guilt in it, that speaks about the corruption in government. Yeah, you know, to race against the church now, and try to implement that the church should pay taxes like everybody else, mm-hmm. after the forefathers in this nation put it in the constitution that church church should not pay taxes, mm-hmm. it looks to where they're looking to 
and what they want that is not of God. They're looking to break. You know, this founding nation followed the Bible. The founding fathers' nation followed the Bible. Because back, where did they get this teaching that church should pay no taxes? Back when the Lord established the priesthood, the priesthood had their own place where they will be supported by the people. And they will not be charged like the people for anything else. So that's where the council foundation are not paying taxes in the church because they're dedicated unto the Lord, unto God. And they will be dedicated completely where they won't have time to be at work. I know a lot of Christians today works, but the, the God meant it that you should have not worked in the secular. God meant it for you to depend on him completely. We that are serving the Lord. That the Lord will be our provider, our take care. Will take care of us. Yeah. You know? But many people after the years stop believing in that and say, well, I'm going to go to work. And they went back to work and then they didn't take care of the house of the Lord. Because if to, to take care of the house of the Lord, there has to be a complete dedication. I will not have the time to be in prayer like I am today if I had to work eight hours like I used to. I started my ministry working eight hours, ten hours, and still doing ministry. Was it the same? No, it's not it's the same. The dedication unto the Lord and, and spending time with the Lord, hearing what the Lord has to say, seeking the Lord, getting to know the Lord, getting to know his word, takes time. Takes time. My brother insisted. And there are people who come and listen and hear things that the Lord has to say to me or to other people who's been dedicating time with the Lord that they say, I never heard that in my life. Because this comes out of dedication. You dedicate your life to him. And you, and you seek him to hear what he has to say, to reveal to you the things you don't know, the understanding you don't know. My brother and sister, it all comes from Jesus. It all comes from the Lord. It cannot come any other way. I cannot go and, and look up a book about Mount Luke 23 that will tell me other thing we talk about tonight. This has to come from the Lord. He has to let us see. He has to reveal it to us. Thank you, Lord. Verse 33. And when they had, they had come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. A male factor, one on the right hand and one on the other on the left hand. But why Calvary? Okay? And, you know, you, you find the history of Calvary, that this is where the Romans should take the, and, cruci- and, and crucify people and all that. But the, 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 this place, Calvary, was with the, the body of Adam and he were when they were buried in the beginning. And it was such a known place to the Jewish people, to the nation, that the first men that God created in the garden in the foot in the in, in Eve were buried there. That everybody knew this. Everybody knew this. But what made them choose to crucify him there? Because remember they, that they put a crown on him, and they said, "This is the king of the Jewish." Okay. Immediately, when they reckon, when 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 the Romans said, and this was said about the Romans, they put a crown on him and say, "He is the king of the Jews. He gets to be cruci- he gets to be put in a special place. 
And there was nothing more special to the people where the body of Adam and Eve were put. Nothing was more special to everyone. Because everyone knew this is the first woman, the first woman. And to crucify him there, he first needed to be recognized as a king. Someone special, someone valuable. Okay? I know a lot of people say, no, but the king was mocking him, Brother Elvis. If he didn't believe what he did when he put the crown and put on the cross, he is the king of the Jewish. If he didn't believe in that, he would have not done so. Remember, king never made a decree that they didn't believe. All the word was decree was like commitments. So once they decreed that Jesus was the king of the Jew, since the Jew believed that Adam and Eve were put there, their body were put there, then they believed that he must be crucified in the place that they believed Adam and Eve were put. Let's crucify him on top of this mountain, this holy place. And they went put him specifically. Remember that the one on the right and the left, they were not so close to the Lord. They were not so close to the Lord. A lot of people think that we were close to each other. No. They had about 50, 25 feet of distance. They have to have it. They have to have it. Because the body of Adam was exactly beneath the cross of Jesus. Because only the, the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from the sin of the world. And the blood needed to come down over the bones of Adam all the way down. So the generation of Adam will be cleansed after they will repent. Everything is significant in the Bible. Nothing is to be taken for granted. If you want to find more information on what I'm talking about, you're going to have to listen to Rabbi. Rabbi that studied really the Jewish Bible. Sometimes I down, I used to do it a lot and learn a lot of things, a lot of what people call secret out of the nation of um, uh, of Israel. There are many things that uh, they even say Christians take for granted that they don't know. And it's because the history of Israel, sometimes we don't study it much. They are booked in an encyclopedia about the, the, the history of the nation of Israel, history of the Middle East, things that you can study that, that will fortify your faith in the Bible when you learn it. Because that's what it does. That's what it done to me. When I learn things that the Jewish people believe that, that, that the way it used to be, um, the, 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 what's it, the Resi Scroll, I read some of it, and it only made my faith stronger. Okay? Enoch's books, when I read it, it only makes my faith stronger. I don't know how can a lot of believers say the book of Enoch is not of God. You need to seek God about it then. Okay. It only made my faith stronger when I listened to some of these things because it's confirming what the Bible say by the different viewpoint of the different prophets, how Enoch saw everything, how he experienced everything, nor so many prophets had experienced God, seen the things of God, my brother and sisters. I really hope that the Jewish people will release the book of Noah. That's one book that is missing, that's been missing for hundreds of years or maybe thousands. The book of Noah. Noah wrote his own book. 
And I have mentioned this here on the Lord's Hour years ago. And I would like to get a copy of the book. I know that uh, the the book of Noah copy are really is in the millions of dollars. But I would like to get a copy of the book because it talks about everything Noah experienced since chapter 7 of Genesis all the way to, to the end of his of his end, putting everything in the hands of his children. Noah talks about his own experience. He wrote it down. I know Moses, Moses spoke about the experience of what Noah went through, you know, of the ark, how God called the animal and all that. And we get a good detail through Moses. It's good. It's good. It's the word of God. Now, because a lot of people say the word, the word of God is only the inspired word of God. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But God also spoke about his, um, through his, to his servants. He revealed himself to his servants. There, there are books that the Jewish people have, like Book of Aaron. Do we have a Book of Aaron in the Bible? Yeah. The high priest? The brother of Moses? No. no. You see, we don't have that. The Jewish people have that book. They, they have a, and, and then the following priest, I believe it was the son of Aaron, also wrote a book. We don't have it. The Jewish people have them. We don't have a book. There are plenty of books that the high priest wrote themselves that we don't have it. Yeah. Not really insisted. And people can say whatever they want to say about the books, but if they themselves wrote it being men and women of God, okay, we have to respect the, the writing, the message, okay? My brother and sister. So it's just, thank you, Lord. I had a brother, I remember the brother used to give us the Bible study. Uh, Pilate wrote a book. Pilate wrote a book. Let me give you some of the writing of Pilate, because he, he shared it with us. You know that Pilate, while he was in his palace, he looked out through his window Remember, he says that he wanted to meet Jesus. While he was looking through his window, his own personal writing, his own book, he looked through his window. He saw Jesus of Nazareth teaching his disciple. While Jesus was teaching his disciple, he said he never saw, he never seen someone so humble and caring to his disciple. Is that true? Yes or no? He says he never saw someone so so loving, so humble. The word he says, so humble, so humble. Jesus said himself that he was humble and meek of heart. Pilate describes him being so humble in his own writing. Because it, I didn't know this, but usually it was required of the king of Rome that they will write their own experience as king. The Rome requires that as them. So each king, like Pilate, has to write like their own books of their own experience, and all those books are in Rome. They keep all those books. So one of the release information that the brother found online about, hallelujah, about Pilate was the Pilate in his own writing said that when he was in his palace, and he, Jesus was there teaching his disciple. He said he never saw someone so humble. Yeah. 
okay, and how he was teaching his disciples without humility, you know, and how he will he cut he it cast his attention how humble he was, and because there were many other rabbis there, but what he saw in Jesus was special. In his own word describing the Lord, what he saw in Jesus was different. It was like. And when the brother was sharing about Pilate, like, I want to know more. What else did he say about the Lord? You know, you want, you just want to know, because this is someone who experienced Jesus, who saw him, who heard him. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. What did he do with me? Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll be the same way. You know, I'd like to know more. And especially, you know, someone who, who was right there living, you know, in, in, his, in those days. When Jesus was still on earth, you know, Pilate, he's, he was one of those, you know, that heard him. And, and you can tell by what he responds to the Lord, you know, he said, um, you know, by how he, he replied to the Lord. He said, uh, like, uh, he was practically saying to him, you know, you are the king of the Jews. But the way he said it, it, it you know, sounds like he he was interested, you know, in the Lord. Yes. Know more about him and, mm. you know, and. Yeah. Remember they questioned him for making Jesus king of the Jews? But he 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 knew what he was doing. And we can say it's the hand of God, of course, God is in control. Yeah. But this is what this brother used to use years, years ago. Mm. He came from California, he went to the library, forget the name of the library in California, one of the older libraries. Yeah. He went on their computer there. Well, they were so booked. He requested that if he can find writing a pilot from the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the librarian, librarian uh, went and directed him to a writing mm-hmm. that has, that, uh, a writing which they have, they have it, they have it. It's a writing from Pilate himself, mm-hmm. signed which he used to confirm that the Bible is accurate, 100%. Because Pilate was a Roman. He was not a Christian. He was not a believer. Pilate was a Roman. Basically, back then, I believe they called him atheist. Okay? And he wrote about Jesus and his humility. And this is what this brother used to do, because people used to tell him, oh, the Bible is not real. The Bible is not accurate. How do you know if Jesus did this or that? Wasn't that a group of men there who decided to write the Bible and all that? So he he will get this information from people that were not Christian, like Pilate, and he will have this official information from them, like he shared with us, to share with unbelievers, with people who will question the Bible and say, this is from Pilate, who was not a Christian, who was not born again, that shared his own experience about Jesus. In his own timing, how can this man who did not, let's say, believe in the Bible, went and share about Jesus and that he saw him and saw his humility, how loving he was, how humble he was to his disciple from his own palace, my brother and sister, from his own palace in Israel, he shared this in his own writing. And he brought the to us and see that the Bible is not the, just the word of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? Or Paul and them. 
Because if you want to say that they have no right to write what they write, then you got other people who experience the Lord and can confirm that Jesus was there, that the Bible is true, that everything that we have in this book is accurate, 100%. By the writing of non-believers, the Bible is true. Pilate was not the only one that wrote, because they, they required the, Rome, the Roman kings to write. So then you got, you only, only have, this is why we got uh, Luke 23, because in here, you have, yes, you got Pilate, and then, um, what is the other one? Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. And we know that Herod was Jew, Jewish, which also they are writing of Herod. Yes, because also the Jewish people got their own history. And you can also look up, you can, you can actually travel to Israel. You can travel to Israel, and you can go to the library and look up information about Herod, King Herod. Okay? And bring out out of this man's life the writing, his own experience. And you will find information about him writing about Jesus. Now, if you want to say that, if you don't want to believe what the disciples said, if you get Pilate and Herod information, writing about the Lord, writing about Jesus, okay, can that convince you? Because they got their own writing. And that's what this brother went and looked up and found information and was shocked to the core of his being. It really changes you, your view on the Bible, that the Bible is just not a book of story. That, that 12 men decide to write. No, the Bible is the book of, it, it's the book of God. It's the, it talks about the life of Jesus, confirmed through atheists who wrote about him, who were there, who saw him. They saw him, my brother and sister, and they testify of him, yeah. who is humble and meek, my brother and sister. We'll be back. Tuesday night, listen to this uh, tsunami coming to the harbor. Thank you, Lord. Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Thank Voice. I am Celestial, and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. If you are a new subscriber, I'd like to recommend that you should try the audio platforms. It'll help you catch up. There are a lot of prophecies here, but on the audio platforms, you can find playlists, and that will help you move through the material a little bit faster so that you can get caught up. The prophecy that I received today, I received very early in the morning um, on December the 6th. So I received it about the 140, 144, 146 mark. I was working on something, and that thing was proving extremely stubborn. So I had come to a pause. And I was just trying to figure out how am I going to work this out, and I was looking for a fix. And I started to hear the Lord say this phrase that I've heard uh, many times before. And the phrase is, tsunami in the harbor, tsunami in the harbor. And so I heard this, and I, I paused, thinking, will the Lord say anything? He didn't say anything immediately, so I went back to working on the thing. And then I started to hear, there's a whirlwind of judgment coming. 
there is a whirlwind of judgment coming to the United States. So this prophecy is about the fact that America is going to receive a sudden, a strong, and a destructive judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ. America is going to be judged suddenly by God, and there's going to be natural disasters here, and there's also going to be a very massive war. The title of this prophecy is Tsunami in the Harbor. Thus says the Lord, there is a whirlwind of judgment coming to the United States. The Lord is going to judge you, America. Your hour has come. The people are not watching. Her people are not expecting it. Suddenly, calamity comes. A great war. A war for the ages. America, you will be attacked when you are not expecting it. When you are sleeping, when you think your gates are secure, sudden destruction will come upon you at the very moment you cry, peace and safety. You will be uprooted from this earth. The Lord says you will be forgotten and your memory will cease from the earth. You will be erased from before me. Thus saith the Lord. Tsunami warning in the harbor. In the harbor. Ring the alarm for the New York City disaster. Tsunami in the Bay Area. California shall lie at the bottom of the sea. Your disasters are at hand. A wall of water, America. I will wash you. I will drown you. I will wash you clean of your fornications. I will purge the evil that lies beneath your false appearance, and everyone will see who you are and how hard the Lord judges you. New York will be a desolation. The whole state don't think you will escape. I will drown New York City until there will be nothing left of it. The postcard city will be destroyed. There is a tidal wave coming to America. I will cover you, America. I will bring you and all your emotional garbage to the bottom of the sea. You corroded the emotions of men. You made them cruel. You made them heartless. You made them lewd and evil, even to the unborn and the very young. You will be drowned at the end of your days. The ending of your existence will be to be written out of history and into oblivion. I will destroy you for the way you destroyed my earth. The sound of war hooves is coming, Celestial. A great war is coming. A war to be fought on American soil. A war for the ages where hundreds of millions of people will die in America and worldwide. Multiple countries will be affected, but America will bear the brunt of the casualties. Her people will be put to death by the things they suffer and the defeat they will go through. Their own defiance will work against them 
and they will be caught in a trap that is already laid for them. A war is coming to the United States that will humble the nation and bring it down to its lowest points in history. By the time they fall, it will be too late for them to repent. They will receive the full judgment for their sin. Thus saith the Lord. So this prophecy of the Lord that I have just read in your hearing took quite some time to write. And I have to let you know that the Holy Spirit would have kept going. But I was weary at that time. By the time I reached the end of the writing, the Lord said to me, it is enough for now. So you should know that there is more. And the proof of that more can be found in Isaiah chapter 9. If you read Isaiah chapter 9, you will find that it has a certain refrain that begins after, I think it is verse 11. And it keeps saying, for all that, my hand is stretched out still. For all that, my hand is stretched out still. And I've been reading that section of scripture since I think it's 2020 that I first started introducing Isaiah chapter 9 as I was receiving it constantly from the Lord. Because what he was saying is that he will continue to bring judgment after judgment after judgment. And as people's hearts hear the judgments, it will be natural to think, but is there no end? Can there continuously be judgment? And God is saying, yes, for all this means, even though I've listed certain things, I'm not done. My hand is stretched out still means I can still do more to you. And so as we understand and we hear and we look back, and those who have been here for a long time now, it is a journey of more than 450 prophecies, at least 500 that I have um, written down, and the videos do not quite match the prophecies yet. I'm not finished with them. Some of these themes have been heard before. Some of these themes are very familiar. And the Lord is still saying that he will judge the country. And that's because I've always said that God says the judgment of America is set. The judgment of America, excuse me, please, cannot be affected by there will be no national repentance. And that's because America is Babylon. America is mystery Babylon of Revelation 18. And since we know that nothing is going to be unfulfilled in the word of God as it is, the simple way that you process this information is if America was going to repent, there would be no Revelation 18. There would be no 10 kings giving their power to the beast in Revelation 17. But because these things are there, eternally prophesied, given to John the Revelator by Jesus himself. The prophecies that John wrote in the book of Revelation came from Jesus. And Jesus said that there would be a mystery Babylon that would receive her judgment in one hour. And so that is America, and she's going to fulfill her destiny. And God says here in this prophecy that by the time America is falling, of course she will want to repent. That's because the food will be gone, the power will be gone, the Nikes will be gone, the swag will be gone, Netflix will be gone, everything will be gone. The nation will be like a husk, a terrible place to exist. And then, of course, people will want to repent. But God says that by that time, the country will be toppling and it will be too late to repent. So let us go over the words of the Lord. A whirlwind of judgment coming to the United States. Whirlwinds are sudden. 
whirlwinds are destructive. Whirlwinds come out of nowhere. They roll up all of a sudden. They cause a lot of damage, and then just as suddenly they die out, and nobody actually knows why they come or why they go. God says that America's hour has come. And surely one of the ways that the Christian can know that the hour is come is that perhaps there is a feeling of foreboding that will be resting upon spiritually sensitive people. And while that feeling of foreboding is necessary, it is like a long, long drawn out cello note. You can feel it. You can feel it when you go out to do the things that you need to do. You can feel it even when you are in supposedly jovial celebration, celebratory, celebratory, um, places like getting together with family at particular holidays and something like that. There's some kind of rock that will be hanging on the spirits of sensitive people, people who say tuned to the Holy Spirit. However, that feeling is not supposed to be overwhelming you. And although it is not part of this prophecy, I'm simply warning you that if you are not careful, Satan is a pro-wrestler. And this is something that Christians don't know because a lot of Christians are misinformed about the devil. They think, oh, it's me here and the devil here and I'll just fight him. No, Satan is only defeated by one thing, the word of God. Who is Jesus himself? The word of God is what pins Satan and puts him under. So if we are not familiar with the word of God and then if we are not adept with how to use the word of God in spiritual warfare, it can be difficult. Another thing is that because Satan is so scaly and so quick to flip a situation, the Holy Spirit can put a check in your spirit, can put a warning on you. Yes, that foreboding will be there. But then what will happen is that many people will then bring emotionalism into it and turn the foreboding into tears and depression and crying all the time. Oh, I'm just weeping, and I'm just weeping and weeping and weeping as I hear about the children. Be very careful, because what will come next is the spirit of depression into your home. And that thing will sit on you like a rock, and you will start to become obsessed with the weeping and obsessed with the emotionalism. And I have been saying on Facebook, before you ever saw me here, before I ever opened the blog, I used to warn there that what comes with the spirit of Depression is a spirit of suicide. And then before you know it, what starts off, off as, my heart is so touched by these prophecies, will end in, we don't know what happened to her. We just came home one day and found her like this. Be very careful. Be very, very careful. These prophecies are to bring us to soberness. And these prophecies are actually God's wake-up call to this country. The Lord said in many of the old prophecies, you ignore me and you sideline me in a nation that belongs to me. I founded this nation. I created America. I made you great. I gave you the power that you have, but you have set me to the side and you are determined to oppose me. You have become my enemy. And the Lord has said that he repented that he made this country. And I speak these things without holding anything back. It is not my concern how the words land or where they land on good soil or bad soil. I know that there is good soil out there, and that soil will receive it. 
But if you hear these things and you feel pricked in your heart, that should actually be a warning sign to you, sir, to you, ma'am, for that tells you that you are still tightly meshed in with Mystery Babylon so that when God is judging her, you feel her insults and you feel her blows as if they were your own, which means that you are not paying attention to what it says in Revelation 18, and I think it is verse four or verse eight. Don't quote me. But it says, come out of her and be separate. But then many people, they either don't know how to separate themselves from Babylon or they are insisting that they will not separate from her. Either way, if your heart is enmeshed with America, at the time the whirlwind judgment of God comes upon the United States, as it goes for her, it shall go for you, sir, ma'am, in your home because you are choosing to identify with what God has put under judgment. And so the hour has come. And in Revelation 18, it says that Mystery Babylon, that one will be judged in a single hour. Well, God says the hour has come, and it's not going to be one of our hours. In the Bible, hour is just a time frame. God says the people of America are not watching and not expecting it, and that is true. People are very distracted. People are dealing with situations in their homes. People are dealing with the attacks of the enemy. People are dealing with the fact that they are at the highest point of their careers, the highest point of their lives. They're making the most money they've ever made on their social media platforms and buying their fifth Lamborghini. And so people are in disparate states different types of levels, different types of states. But the one thing that people in this country are not watching for is to be hit with natural disasters on both coasts and definitely not to fall to their knees and become servants and workers for Russia and China. A great war is coming. I made this statement just a few weeks ago. I can't exactly pinpoint the video, but I said that I was simply washing the dishes and the Lord began to say to me, a great war is coming, my daughter. A great war is coming. And this war is not just going to be America's war, as you've heard in this prophecy. He said that multiple countries will be affected. I've always been saying that when this war starts, Every country that depends on America for anything, even if America only ships you the pens that you use for all your school children and all your working people, when this war starts, whoever depends on America for everything is going to suffer. And one of the nations that the Lord highlighted was the nation of Zimbabwe, saying that they rely on the U.S. dollar directly in their economy. And so when America gets hit with her personal problems, obviously the money's not going to stay stable and robust. Money's one of the first things to take a hit when countries go to war. And God says, if Zimbabwe is struggling now, then imagine what will happen when this war starts and her dependent economy that relies on U.S. dollars gets hit. That is a good sign for people who know their country, your country is depending on America for imports. Your country is depending on America to buy your exports. Your country is depending on America to sign one more check for foreign aid. This is obviously your cue when you hear this to go into prayer. You don't need a group of a whole group to pray. You can just begin to petition God for your nation where you are. 
and say, Lord, we're not under the same judgment as Mystery Babylon. Remember us here and begin to stir the hearts of the remnant here so that you can reveal these things to them so they can pray. This great war is coming and God says, America, you will be attacked when you are not expecting it. People of God, please hear these prophecies and understand what is being said. I have said endless times that America will never be ready for this attack. That includes those who listen to this channel. You may listen to the channel and you may know that God is saying, an attack is coming, an attack is imminent. However, with all that foreknowledge, even Jeremiah could not tell them the day that the Babylonians would finally break down the wall and come in. Even Jeremiah was not able to tell them the exact day. And that is how real prophecy works. It doesn't give fake dates that fail. America will never see this attack coming. That means we can know an attack is coming. And the benefit of that is to prepare the spirit in prayer. The benefit of that is to sit your children down and begin to tell them that when you tell them you want their location pins, they should stop giving you fake pins. They should stop telling you that they're three blocks over when actually they've piled into the pickup truck and they've gone across the county line because they want to sneak to the strip club for the first time. And then we begin to hear those few, few sounds. And nobody can get back across the county line faster than a missile can come into your town or city. It is time to now circle the wagons and get family members who at least are like-minded to understand that this country is going through a transformation. And if you are waiting for that transformation to show up on the news, if you are waiting for and I'm not speaking of this current government, but if you are minded that the leadership of this country has your best interests at heart, and so if things are going wrong, they're going to tell you in advance that things are going wrong. They're going to tell you perhaps that they've been also doing their little hacking and they've been finding hidden communications between China and whoever flying around, they're never going to tell you that. What they will do with that intel is they will take care of themselves. They will never come on the TV and tell you that, yes, we have stocked bunkers and we're planning to go zero dark 30 and leave you and your kids running around on the surface of the earth while we go into the caves of the earth to wait out whatever we suspect will happen. If you are expecting the U.S. government in whatever manifestation to be your protection, you're already lost. You're already fulfilling the scripture of Isaiah that says, cursed is the man who trusts in flesh. It will be God now that men should turn to because no man will know the day or the hour of this whirlwind judgment of this great war and God is saying that America's defiance is going to be the cause of the war. This is indeed the Russia-China war that I'm speaking of. And, the, and a clue here that God gives is that the sudden destruction will come at the very moment that America cries, peace and safety. 
And I was reading this prophecy again before I brought it. It is always good to go over it prayerfully so that you can deliver it with understanding. And the Lord says to me, peace and safety is the beast system, my daughter. So Russia and China are not coming this weekend. America first needs to become the full apostate that she is. When I speak of these things, People complain and they say the prophecy is too graphic and there's too much information. And little do people understand that they will live this information. Your neighbor will sit naked on the porch and you will not be able to call 911 and report him for indecent exposure. And should you try to, lo and behold, Officer Mack and Officer Freeman may show up naked because it just may be come-to-work-naked day in the new America. The things that people find fantastic now are the ingredients of the future America, the beast system America, where every single normal thing, every single premise that was maybe resting its tired elbow or resting its tired spinal cord on the last two or three commandments of God's word are going to be shattered and broken. The legs of this nation are going to be broken out from under her and she is going to become worse than any historical empire in the past. The History Channel loves, loves to make documentaries and show you the Romans with their togas slipping off and show you how the great senators of the day were eventually interested in boy flesh. Everybody's lying around on a cushion and eating grapes. But that's not how Rome started. Rome started hungry. Rome started as fighters. Rome started as a military state that deposed the Greeks and took over the best of what they had and then ruled in power and improved on it until pride was found in the midst of them. And that is what happens with empire. Eventually you peak. You look around and you don't have any more enemies. You look around and you are the clear golden boy of the Second World War. You've conquered everything and then bombed your enemies into silence. Shackled the other enemies with millions of dollars of reparations that they only just got finished paying off in 2008, I think it was. You humbled the earth and all the nations bowed like chaff before your sword. And now there's nothing more to win. And so you begin to set up entertainment. You begin to seek after sexual pleasures. You begin to seek after the joys of life, wine, women, and song. But in this country, it's wine, trance, and whatever else is going at the going rate. Righteousness is killed. The belly grows cold. The fire to do right is put out. And eventually, you always get, you always get a decaying and crumbling edifice that has already died that has already passed from relevance, but because you still have the appearance of life, you still look alive though you are dead. This is Jesus speaking in, Revela in yes, it's Revelation chapter 3. You have the reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. I brought that prophecy about three or four months ago. 
because you appear alive, the world, your groupies outside, are still fooled by you, except I prophesied in 2021, in April, that the scales would fall from the eyes of the nation, and they would begin to mock America, and they would begin to see America for what she is, and they would begin to castigate her and criticize her and speak about her on their national news in disparaging tones, mocking tones, questioning tones. Why is she doing this? And now all these things are happening just a few years after I had said them. America will not be ready because the people aren't watching. And when she's attacked, God says, we will not be expecting it. We will think that the gates are secure, but sudden destruction will come when we are crying peace and safety. So when the beast system establishes themselves, when you start to see the society changing, when you start to see first the oppressive laws, and then you also start to see laws will be oppressive, but at the same time they will be extremely permissive. Anyone will be able to get alcohol. You won't need to be a certain age to drink. You won't need to be a certain age to engage in sexual activity. You won't be, uh, need to be a certain age to get married. The little children will be declared legally competent to sleep with people who are 5 to 50 times their age. It will be restrictive, and they will tell you it's for your safety. But at the same time, it will be permissive, and they will tell you, well, if you are transgender and if you are 65 and you want a 9-year-old, if that will give you peace, these laws have been changed for your peace. Peace, the open hand, and safety, the controlling hand that will take your money and turn it to cloud money and tell you it's better and will chip your hand and take your palm identity and tell you never carry your wallet again. This thing must establish itself first before that war comes because this peace and safety society is the society where America will completely undress herself. And just as the Greeks were doing it, and the Romans came and destroyed them, in the same way, America will be doing it after having fought all the wars. She has started to undress herself. I've always told you, when you see a society obsessed with sex and nakedness, you are on your way off the planet. You are on your way out of life and into death because that is where God draws the line. Because after the uncovering comes the original sin of Genesis, desiring to lie down with the wolves, with the hybrids, and with the angels. And that is where Noah can tell you the world was brought to a great reset, and so it will be again. And so God says that he will uproot America from the earth, and she will be forgotten. And I've been saying this almost since the beginning of this ministry. I said that God will take away the memory of this nation from the whole earth. And I remember back then many people challenged and how can it be and, and how can it be that future generations will not remember America. And this is, again, just simply a lack of reading the Bible. 
In the Bible, if you start from the very beginning, there were two young men, one by the name of Cain and one by the name of Abel. It's a terrible situation of jealousy and sibling rivalry that arose between those two men. One brother's heart became dark and Satan planted the seed of murder in Cain's heart and he killed his brother. But then you come further on and I think it's Genesis 5 and there's a genealogy going on because God wants to move things to, he wants to move the narrative forward to when he gets to Noah. But it starts off talking of the first man and it says there was Adam and Adam begot Seth. Seth is the third boy that Adam had. He had Cain and then he had Abel. But for some reason, when God is doing the genealogy, the unfortunate killer and the unfortunate victim have been wiped out and are no longer remembered in antiquity. You have to care about Cain and Abel to know about them because once you get to chapter 5, it seems that God is done with them. So there's precedent to show you that unfortunate behavior can get you wiped out of the record. America, you will be wiped from human memory. And this thing that God has been saying, people push back about it because of ego and pride. As an American, you don't want to think that it's possible to hold a passport that belongs to no nation. But when the nation goes under the sea forever, you're going to have a passport to where? Where will you fly to when O'Hare and LaGuardia and JFK are gone? It's just pride. It is just pride. And there's so many people who are failing to do the work of admitting and confronting how deeply that pride is rooted. And that is the reason they cannot believe the word of the Lord. When God says, your memory will cease from the earth and you will be erased from before me. And then says, thus saith the Lord. It's a done deal. Thus saith the Lord prophecies have a tendency not to go away. Tsunami warning in the harbor. Ring the alarm for the New York City disaster. The harbor is definitely the New York Harbor. Another tsunami in the Bay Area. You will remember that the prophecy called Stay True to Your Assigned Gender is from 2018. I think that prophecy is September 2018, quite a lot of years ago. And I said that there will be a terrible earthquake along the San Andreas and that California is going to crack Terrible earthquake in San Francisco and California is going to crack in two pieces and one piece I saw it just slide into the ocean. And God says this type of disaster is at hand. You may remember that the Lord says that the judgments that will come on America are now going to be the kind of judgments like international judgments. So this is thousands and thousands and thousands of lives lost. This is FEMA at a loss for what to do. This is the rescue people, the first responders, God says, having PTSD when they get to the scene. Why? Because they're used to pulling one or two people out. They're used to having earthquakes in California, and then nobody dies. But now, God says, the, the, work, the rescue workers will come, and they will have PTSD. 
So they're going to be completely outclassed by how many people have been lost. They're going to be completely traumatized by how many broken bodies they're confronted by at one time. And that's because a man's training only goes so far. It is the favor and the grace of God that has kept this nation safe from being broken to pieces. But now God is ready to prove to this country that he is serious. A wall of water to wash you, to wash you clean of fornications. And why not? This is a nation that live streams child porn. People's children are missing. The mothers are sitting at home, sitting and going through nervous breakdowns, and their babies are performing unbelievable acts that are being live streamed into the homes of whoever can afford the entry viewing fee. Wickedness, altars, celebrating Halloween, women who are sexually active on their time of the month, unspeakable abominations that God says if other countries thought about trying it. They would balk at trying it because such things go against their culture. But nothing is forbidden here. And so that's why the water is coming. It is a harsh but sarcastic judgment. Since you are filthy, I will purge you. And in the purging, as I spoke of rats, just recently being washed out of the sewer when the flood came to New York. In the same way, the tsunami is God's way of washing out American rats. And I spoke of this in one of the old prophecies where God says that after the disasters happen, so after there's a terrible flood in your area and your house has only the attic that is above the water, one of the things he says is, When they go to the crisis centers, my daughter, they will not be able to watch the porn anymore. Your entire porn library will be in the basement and that computer will be ruined forever. He says that all the addicts, all the marijuana that you have at your house, all the the weedy mushrooms, all the psychedelics, all the little druggies, you will have to run for your life and then you're going to have a hard detox at the crisis center, where no one's going to be giving you magic mushroom and brownies. Nothing. There will be no trip for you. Even if you run with a few, you won't be able to sustain it. You are going to have your shakes and your sweat in front of 3,000 people in a gym that you don't know, and we'll be looking at you like, so it's like that. The shame is coming now. Hard detox. The porn lovers, the adultery havers, there's a lot of secrets that are going to come out when people are under pressure in these places. The evil that is hidden beneath the false appearance of the United States, everyone will see who you are and how hard God is judging you. So this judgment is going to hit TV. The crises are going to hit TV. The political exposures, the people in Europe will be watching and going, quel dommage. Everything will be seen. All the Africans that love to lift up this place as the place they must get a visa and come to, they will start reconsidering and thinking, well, maybe not, when they see what happens here. And New York will be made a desolation. The whole state, God is saying, don't think you will escape. That's because this tsunami is going to hit the entire northeast and tri-state area, 
in terms of damage. But New York City itself will be drowned until there's nothing left of it. The postcard city will be destroyed. That's a simple reference to the fact that when you come here, everybody goes to Times Square and buys those overpriced postcards, scribbles on them, wish you were here, and then sends them back to India and sends them everywhere else so everyone can know that you were in New York City. Might as well do it now because the postcard city will be destroyed. A tidal wave is coming to cover America, and all your emotional garbage will be taken to the bottom of the sea. What's the emotional garbage? Well, it's all the males crying on TikTok about how they were misgendered, and I never thought. You're five foot nine. Your face is covered with hair, and you're crying because nobody wanted to call you Janet. That's emotional garbage. It's emotional garbage to tell children that there are two moms in a family. It's emotional garbage to say that there are 31 genders on earth. It's emotional garbage to say that killing babies is how you take care of your health, that abortion is health care. It's emotional garbage to say that a man can be a woman, that a woman can be a man, and that a child can understand the complexities of puberty and sexuality enough to undergo chemical castration at the age of six, because that's when Hubert knew he was a girl. America's full of emotional garbage. It's emotional garbage to teach the kind of licentious things that the children are taught in school. Victim mentality, ally culture, everyone crying and having a breakdown. They didn't feel safe. It's emotional garbage for adults to insist on safe spaces. It's emotional garbage to censor free speech. It's emotional garbage to become a nation that is so sensitive that the skin is, what's that supposed to mean? What's that supposed to mean? A nation where the men are basically dead, castrated by the women who are as wild as wolves. Emotional garbage belongs at the bottom of the sea, washed away. God says that America corrodes the emotions of men. America is the nation that forces people to accept things that make no sense. It's almost as if the minute you hit the border and the plane goes over, your brain opens up and wind begins to blow in there, taking the chemical smoke of insanity out. Then you land in another country and you interact with those people and you realize a lot of people and they confess it in their videos. I couldn't do my American nonsense overseas because overseas they are not prone to practicing emotional garbage as culture. But it's bleeding out in the magazines. It's bleeding out through the rappers, the superstars, the lifestyle. Video, audio, social media has now connected all people. And so the ideas are being rapidly transferred. And that's why you see men in West Africa dressing up, bleaching their skin, taking on female names. And the corruption, the rot is inside the global population. Because if those men were meeting their traditional cultures, 
They would be rapidly handled and they would disappear, but they have followings of millions, which means that the rot is inside the hearts of those people, that transgenderism in Latin America, in Asia, and in Africa, for instance, is okay. The rot, the smoke is spreading. Corruption, God says. You make men cruel. How do we make them cruel? How much murder is in the movies? Little children are inured to the spilling of blood. Pow, 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 pow. They go. Here and everywhere else. The bloodshed is normal. The witchcraft is normal. It's all normalized. That's how you harden people's hearts. You simply continue putting the matter in front of them because what the eyes look at, it takes root inside the spirit. God says that people are made lewd and evil. This is just overly sexually charged. Again, the movies, the music. You say you love God, but you can't help looking. The married women on social media acting and disrespecting their husbands because of so-and-so parading without a what and a this. If I see you, don't you know that God sees you? And I have no power to do anything, but don't you know that your record, your final record is being written by all you say and all you do, and that's for all of us, all the time. To a person who wants to live righteous, this is actually very calming. It's actually very, it's reassuring to know that God is watching you. He's got your back, but he's also got your manners. It's reassuring to know that I want to live in the light. I want to walk in the light. You're not doing it because you think, if I don't do it, I won't go to heaven. No, you're doing it because you're thinking, your presence is so precious to me. And I love your company so much. I would hate to offend you. That's the thing. People know how to act around a brand new girlfriend, but they don't know how to treat God. They know how to, to, if she doesn't like smoking, he's chewing the smoker's gum. She's brushing her teeth extra because she doesn't want to offend him because she likes him. Yet there are people who claim they love God, but they don't know how to court his presence. They don't know how to, how to go after him as a lover does. They keep the best of themselves for humans who will perish and go to dust, but the eternal one who will cradle their soul and say, come walk in my presence always. Come enter into my rest. No effort. I don't know how to. You have a Bible. You have a cell phone. What's your problem? The cell phone is for looking for Bible verses, and then the Bible is for going and reading them and starting to get them into your spirit. So people are sexually charged. They're looking for their next naked fix and evil, God says, to the unborn, the millions and millions and millions of babies that have been sacrificed in this nation, and the very young, the millions and millions of children. Please don't be fooled by the official numbers that the child traffickers themselves, such as the FBI, the cops, the lawyers, CPS themselves, these are the chief people who are taking the children. And more and more they're showing up at the door because they're running out of strays. Ask yourself where the homeless children are. 
Their populations are dropping drastically, and I promise you they have not been resettled in happy homes. They are starring in snuff films across this nation. To you who think that snuff films don't exist, I covered that in 2020, that the Lord says these snuff films are shot. That's the prophecy what you never heard of, part two, to put out their light. To snuff something literally means like a candle. You put it out quickly. That's where these youth are. That's where the little hopeful, that's where hopeful daughters who said, Mom, I'm going to L.A., and she never called again. Hopeful daughters who left Africa and said, I'm going to Dubai, and she never called again. They're making films with dogs. That's what they're doing on threat of their life. They haven't seen their passport in three years. They are the worst for wear. They can't come home because they're less than human now, because their partners have been Dobermans for three years. Hear it and know. Hear it and know. Let your saliva dry up the way mine dries up when I see and hear what I see and hear. You will be drowned at the end of your days and the end of your existence will be that I will write you out of history and into oblivion. God himself is going to oversee that not only will America be judged and taken away, but God says that he will see to it that humankind cannot remember. Now, if you put your mind on this, this is speaking of the same thing that he did to Cain and Abel. There's only one person that's able to take the memory of what actually existed out of the earth as if it's never existed. Whether he has to create a shift, whether he has to give us all global amnesia. Because think about it. Revelation 18 speaks of a graphic, very visible, horrific destruction for Mystery Babylon. Technically speaking, that's very hard to forget. And yet he says and uses this word of permanence, oblivion, which means not only not remember, but to never remember and cannot be made to remember no matter what. That is where dementia takes you into the realm where they can't bring you back. You lose all the memories. You can't keep even one. And then it ends in departure from this life. That's what God is saying. And he says, I will do it. I will destroy you because you destroyed my earth. The sound of war, hooves, is coming. That means that the attackers are on their way. They're not here yet, but we've all seen the Western when the horses ride in one scene, we know that they're not going off camera. We know that they have a destination. And the destination is a great war that will be fought on America's soil. Very direct, the Holy Spirit. That's because America usually exports war. The, in, the military industrial complex in this nation is very smart. And I've covered this before. War is very damaging. War breaks the cell phone towers. War, war destroys the chemical plants 
War destroys the manufacturing plants. War bombs up all the schools. War destroys all the jobs. War pollutes the water. War fills the street with extremely unsanitary dead bodies and carnage. War brings social instability, economic destruction. It brings hunger and famine and fear for your life. It brings a ton of sexual crimes. Rape is committed by combatants. And it's also committed by people who are just taking their chances on the street. Men are stronger than women. A lesson that will greatly be learned by the feminists in the end times. That men aren't that tall and that big because they're the same as women. They look different because they are different. But that lesson will be learned under duress in this nation. America exports war. She goes outside, bombs other people, spoils their country, destroys their infrastructure, disrupts their economies, ruins their money, makes them economically broken so that they have to take decades to bring themselves back up. She takes what they have, brings it home, adds it to the pile, and then says, we freed them. Iraq needed freedom, and so did Yemen, and and we saw that they got it. But now the war will come here. It's these chemical plants that will be burnt up. It's these Ford factories and Cadillac factories that will be bombed. One thing that the Lord said is that the Russians know the locations of everything. Like it's been mapped out to a T. He says that down to the national parks and the forests, they know what's in there. Imagine Russians counting the bears at night with infrared or whatever it is that they're doing. They know the national parks and what's in the parks. They know the location of where all the Marines, the so-called secret bases that the Marines go to to train, the elite the Navy SEALs and all the other titles of them that I don't know, they know it. And he says that nukes will fly to those places. Why? Because you have to neutralize the best right away. That's all part of a surprise attack. You don't wait for the cream of the crop to immediately go into tactics.